Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. A Greek philosopher named Aristotle said over 2000 years ago, anyone can become angry. That's easy. But to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose in the right way, that is not easy. And I'll tell you how not easy it is. Uh, If you look at life today, according to the National Center on Domestic Violence, 20 people a minute are physically abused by an intimate partner. Uh, Mismanaged anger plays a major role in virtually every divorce. Uh, Even in marriages where there may not be legal separation, very often there ends up being a kind of emotional separation because of mismanaged anger. I mean, look at Uh, unpleasant workplaces, miserable family relationships. The vast majority of human wrongdoing involves anger and contempt. Parents who don't learn how to manage their anger uh, wound their children, and very often their children grow up and repeat the same patterns. A survey was done a while ago with children. Uh, Children were asked the question, if you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? The number one answer, I wish my mom didn't yell at me so much. It's not easy to deal with anger wisely and well, uh, to become an expert at the art of managing anger. And the destructiveness of getting it wrong is just huge. So the first thing we need to do is to just acknowledge the fact that we have problems dealing with anger. Everyone does. You have anger problems. I have anger problems. Everyone does. You may be keenly aware of your difficulties in dealing with anger because you just explode and it just comes flying out of you and you know it and other people know it. Or maybe for you, the problems of mismanaged anger uh, take more subtle forms. Uh, Maybe you withdraw emotionally from people when you get mad or uh, you just withhold your affection from them. Or maybe you go around trying to appease people, trying to placate them, trying to make sure that you never get into a situation where anger gets expressed because there's fear of anger. Or maybe you resort to sarcasm or using loaded words. Or maybe you become passive aggressive and you're able to get jabs in at people in ways that maybe they don't even realize or ways that you don't have to own. So what we're going to do in this series is take on one of life's greatest challenges. Uh, We're going to learn how to master the expression of anger management. And this is so deeply needed. Maybe for you, these next few weeks could save your marriage. Or maybe learning how to manage your anger appropriately is going to be a gift to your children. Or maybe you've been caught up in a cycle where anger has just damaged generation after generation, and you're going to stop it. You're going to be the one to stop the cycle. Or maybe it's going to enrich your friendships or your family relationships. Or maybe it's going to open up a whole new way of being able to relate to God 
because this matter of anger and managing it appropriately is a great concern for God. The writers of scripture have a lot to say about anger. And one of the, the classic statements is from the Apostle Paul, who wrote to the church at Ephesus, be angry and yet do not sin. Be angry. Anger is part of being a human being. Everyone experiences anger, and that's not a bad thing. In fact, it could be a good thing. But be angry and don't express it in ways that are going to be destructive to yourself or to other people. Anger can be good. Um, it can result in good. Jesus himself got angry. But anger is potentially extremely dangerous. There's another statement in the Bible in the book of James that says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger, that is anger apart from the power and the guidance of God. Human anger apart from God cannot accomplish God's good purpose. So in this series, we're going to learn about how we come to grips with this business of anger. And here's where I want to start today. I want to spend the time that we have left looking at four myths about anger, uh, four misconceptions that people have about anger that just kind of float around in our world. And here's the first one. My anger is caused by external circumstances. Uh, the myth here is that because anger is such a powerful emotion, very often it feels like it's being caused by something like out there. Like some of the earliest research done on anger, done over a hundred years ago, came up with two main categories of things that trigger people's anger, where people feel like uh, something has caused me to be angry. The first one is what one author calls stupid inanimate objects. Uh, your shoelace breaks when you try to tie it in a hurry. Uh, your car doesn't start. Uh, your Wi-Fi goes out during a Zoom call. Uh, your child's toy is in a box marked, some assembly required. Uh, you wait for an elevator and it doesn't come and you're in a hurry. And so instead of just pushing the button once, you push it repeatedly on the theory that this stupid elevator will just sense your urgency and bypass all the other people on the other floors because you're an important person with places to go. Stupid inanimate objects. People is the other primary category that triggers us. Uh, mostly we think of people making us angry and we express this verbally. We'll say things like, you make me so mad. And the, the myth here is that events or people or objects cause us to be angry. But here's a very crucial truth in opposition to this myth. In between the event, the stupid, inanimate object, the rude driver or whatever, in between the event and my anger is my interpretation of this event, my understanding of it, my perception of it, my thinking, my thoughts. It's that quarter second between what takes place in my brain and what happens to my body or what comes out of my mouth. It's the life-giving quarter second where we give a foothold to the Spirit of God or that life-destroying quarter second where we give a foothold to the enemy. That's the key link. 
You see, this idea that my anger is caused by external events or other people, it's not. Who is it that makes you mad? <laughs> you. You make you mad. You must take responsibility for your anger. You must take responsibility for the expression, the, the management of your anger. If you don't, you'll be stuck in your anger forever. If you don't take responsibility for it, you'll just be a slave to it. The way you express your anger is not caused by some other person or some other event. It's up to you. All right, so that's the first myth. The second myth is, I just can't control my anger. Uh, and this is not true, but it's a common belief. My anger just flows so strongly that I can't control it, and no one should expect me to. Managing your response to anger is learned. Uh, it's learned behavior, and you can control it. And I'll prove it to you. Watch someone when they're having a big argument, you know, things are really heated, and then they get an important phone call that they have to take. You see anger being controlled. I mean, you can imagine it, can't you? Like a big argument, you're a beep, 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 you know, I can't believe you're such a beep, beep, beep. And then the phone rings. Oh, I gotta take this, hello? You know, our, people are able to control the way they express their anger. They really are. If the stakes are high enough, you can control it. And this goes right along with the Bible. The myth that says I can't control my anger is contrary to the teachings of scripture. God expects us to master the art of anger management, and he'll help us with this. There are many statements by the writers of scripture about this. One of them is Proverbs 29, 11. Fools give full vent to their anger, but the wise bring calm in the end. So again, this week, when you're having a massive argument with someone, things are just on the verge of getting out of control, just remind them, Proverbs 29, 11, Fools give full vent to their anger. You might not want to deliver it exactly that way, but that's what the writer of scripture says. Let me say a word at this point about what anger is, uh, just so that we have a common understanding of anger as we're considering it over these next few weeks. Anger is physiological arousal. That's what anger is. It's physiological arousal. It happens to your body. When you get angry, uh, adrenaline is secreted your blood pressure gets raised, your pulse races, the, the pupils of your eyes get real large, you secrete more sugar into your bloodstream. It prepares you to act. Anger is a form of power. Anger is a form of bodily power, that's what it is. It prepares you to confront, to have some kind of action. And along with it, we experience strong emotions, strong feelings. And then there's a choice. How will I express this anger? What will I do with it? How, and how you express or manage your anger, that's learned. Uh, athletes have to deal with anger management constantly. If you've ever been involved in athletics, you know about this. And you know, research has shown that of all the sports, of all the different forms of athletics, uh, golfers are the poorest at anger management. Actually, I just made that up. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, uh, but if you're a golfer, maybe that made you mad. Uh, I mention it because there was a, a golf pro who was kind of famous in his day for being like the hottest temper of anyone on the golf course. 
uh, he was giving a group lesson one time and his 11-year-old son was with him. And he was gonna show the group what you do when your ball lands in the sand. And so he throws a ball into the sand and he says to his 11-year-old son, son, show the people what you've learned from your father when a ball goes in the sand trap. And so his son grabs a wedge and he throws it in the air as high and as hard as he could. That's what he learned from his dad. How you express your anger is learned. And the good news is that means it can be unlearned. That means it can be relearned. So along with a commitment to say, I'm gonna take responsibility for my anger, another thing that is just uh, crucial if you're gonna master the art of anger management is you must make a commitment to relearn how to express anger. You must become a student of anger management. First of all, you have to take responsibility for it, saying, never again am I going to blame my mismanaged anger on another person. I own it. And then secondly, you must sign up as a student, as an apprentice in the School of Anger Management. And whatever you need to do, uh, books that you need to read, it may be that uh, if you can't make headway on this yourself, that you need to find a really competent Christian counselor who can help you come to, come to grips with it. You need to make a commitment that you're gonna learn or relearn how to express anger. All right, we'll talk about the next anger myth in just a moment. I recently saw a tweet in which the person said, this year I'm taking part in a no-vember where I'll be saying no to everything, go away. I have to admit, I chuckled a little when I read it. I'm sure we would all love a little no-vember for our month. Saying no to work or to our kids, a no to responsibilities. Oh, we know we can't. We have bills to pay and people to keep alive. But we can obviously do a November with anger this month. A November to anger doesn't mean we don't get angry. A no to anger means we don't get caught up in anger, as Ephesians notes, so that our anger does not lead us into sin, but rather leads us into spiritual formation. As Matt's been talking about this, I've been thinking about how we, in realistic ways, allow our anger to be used in spiritual formation. And I've been thinking about this process that we call Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina is just a fancy Latin word used to describe a process of reading and reflecting on Bible passages. We use Lectio a ton in our staff scripture reading meetings, and while it isn't intended for our anger, I think we can adopt the Lectio process for when it comes to our moments of anger. Lectio is a process of reading scripture, reflecting on what stands out, and praying in and through what is revealed in the reading. It's this process of recognizing, reflecting, and recounting. And that process, when broken down in that way, can easily be transferred to our anger. So next time you're angry, first recognize it. What is drawing up anger? Is it a person or an external circumstance? Do I feel like I can't control it? Recognize the anger and then move to reflection. Okay, I'm angry, why? What myth am I pulling into the anger? Reflect on the reason for the anger and the myth behind the anger and the way that you were interacting with the anger. And then recount, aka pray or tell God about everything you've experienced and be formed in this process of recounting. The process of being spiritually formed in our anger isn't some crazy theory. And to make sure, I tried it out in my own life this week. I wouldn't necessarily consider myself an angry person, but one thing that does make me angry and anxious is traveling. 
So I thought about my last travel experience in which a bunch of my flights got canceled and I had a time-sensitive event looming. When my flights were canceled last minute and there was no hope of getting on a new flight, I was angry and obviously panicked. In hindsight, I can recognize that anger. Step one, complete. So we moved to reflecting, why was I angry? What perpetuated anger? Was I angry at someone? What was I really angry about? Well, in that process, I reflected on the fact that I wasn't necessarily angry, I was frustrated and nervous, and most importantly, I couldn't control things around me. I'm someone who doesn't give up control to others. I always have this mindset of me against the world. I do it all, and I do it all on my terms and in my time. And sometimes that sort of self-sufficiency is helpful, uh, but sometimes that attribute of mine leads me to anger. So recognition, done. And reflection, done. The reflection allowed me to find areas in my life where I needed to surrender stuff to God, where I needed to check some internal workings, and so I recounted all of that to God. I prayed for healing for the parts that make me self-sufficient, prayed for peace and certainty in God's plan, prayed for a whole lot. My anger, while uncomfortable, led me to a better understanding and relationship with God, and it can do the same for all of us. We can't say no to anger, but we can say no to being blind in our anger. November then becomes a month of no. So this week, walk through that process of recognizing, reflecting, and recounting with God the things that bring up anger and see how God forms you. To do that, we need to know all the myths about anger. So let's rejoin Matt as he covers the final two. All right, the first myth is my anger is caused by external circumstances. Uh, the second myth is I just can't control my anger. Another myth is, and this one is very common, the best way to handle your anger is to ventilate it. The best way to handle your anger is just to let it fly. Now, when I was a child, unfortunately, psychologists were not helpful on this one at all. Uh, and my parents learned that venting their anger was a healthy thing. Psychologists popularized what has been called the ventilationist view of anger. Uh, the ventilationist view of anger involves this idea when, when you get angry, the main thing that you must do is to uh, discharge your feelings, like get it off your chest, blow off some steam, let it out throw something, hit something, scream something, just ventilate it. Because if you don't, this line of thinking went, it's not healthy. Uh, like it builds up inside of you like steam inside of a tea kettle. And if there's not some release, you're just gonna blow up. It'll be like a volcano. And there are people, I've talked to some of them, who are fairly calm on the surface and they've heard this kind of thinking and they think there must be some river of rage secretly flowing inside of them and they hope no one ever taps into it because boy, if you do, man, it's gonna flood all over you. Now, I wanna think this one through with you for a moment. Why is it that we think this way about anger and yet we don't think this way about other emotions? Like no one says, I've been holding in joy for all these years. You know, people uh, tell funny jokes and I've been re repressing my laughter and I haven't released it and it's been building up inside of me. And now the, the joy dam is about to burst and I'm just gonna spew joy all over everyone. Uh, therapists have never said that to people. 
Like they never say, hey, you better get in touch with your gratitude. Because when you were growing up, I mean, people did a lot of nice things for you and then you never verbalized your thankfulness. Now you've got all this gratitude bottled up inside of you and it's just not healthy. You're like a walking time bomb of gratitude. Someday it's just gonna like go off and, and you're gonna wake up and people aren't even gonna know it. You're just gonna like spew gratitude all over them. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We don't think of other emotions this way. There are problems with this old idea of ventilation. And one of them is the way the theory went was you get angry and if you ventilate, uh, the anger just kind of drains out of you so that you don't have to be angry anymore. However, what was discovered is that ventilation is actually fun and it's reinforcing. In other words, people hit or they shout and it makes them feel powerful and they wanna hit or shout more. It just becomes a vicious cycle. See, there's been another discovery on this ventilation stuff. They've discovered, and maybe this will surprise you, uh, people do not enjoy getting ventilated on. <laughs> like the, the ventilator can have a lot of fun, but the ventilator uh, doesn't think much of this process at all. How often have you witnessed this scene? I mean, kind of reflect on this for a moment. One guy feels like he's been cut off in his car, and so he pulls up next to the other driver and he says something like, you know, what kind of an idiot are you? Like, what were you thinking? Are you trying to kill me? I ought to beat you into the ground. And the other person says, you know, that's a point well taken. You've touched me deeply here, friend. Like, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna become a new driver. And I just wanna thank you for uh, offering me that hand gesture as well. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't happen. Uh, the research is very clear on this. And this is rare in the field of psychology that research is clear, but there's very clear consensus. Uh, there have been three major reviews done in this field that have covered dozens of studies over the last 50 years. Not a single one of them demonstrates that thoughtlessly letting anger fly is an effective way to manage anger. It just creates more anger. Now that's not to say that you don't need to become aware of your angry feelings. It's not to say that you don't need to become uh, assertive because you may need to become much more assertive in your expression of anger. But the idea that you should just be as violently aggressive as you feel like and just let it fly without thinking about it has created enormous damage. All right, the next myth is talking it out with a third party makes you feel less angry. And here's what I mean by this one. I'll explain what I do mean and what I don't mean. Often, if people decide they won't ventilate directly, they'll handle their anger by going to a third party. You know, someone they know will be sympathetic. And they'll tell that third party why they're so angry. And this often makes people feel better. You find a sympathetic person, you tell them how badly you've been treated, uh, how you've been abused or mistreated, and you know, you've been victimized and it feels good to do this. But again, the research on this one is quite clear. Talking out an emotion in this way doesn't reduce the emotion. It rehearses the emotion. It rehearses it. 
The way it works is this. The more you talk about why it is that you're angry, the more legitimate your anger feels. The more you talk about uh, what an abusive, unfair, unjust, thoughtless person this is, the matter you get at them. And so by the end of the talk, you're more angry than you were when you started. Talking out anger in this way, just rehearsing your anger, doesn't make it, doesn't make it lessen. It makes it increase. Now you might be thinking, this is good news. I don't have to see my therapist anymore. Or maybe you're thinking, this is bad news because you're a therapist and you're thinking, this is bad for business. So let me just clarify here. This does not mean you should never find a third person to talk with about your anger issues. Uh, maybe it has been or will be a very helpful thing to find a good therapist to talk through these issues with. I know it has been for me. Maybe for you, uh, this is the single most needed step to find a trained professional. But generally, if you're gonna do this, if you're gonna meet with someone to talk about issues of anger, you need to do it with the goal of that person helping you to understand and manage your anger appropriately. Like not to uh, simply rehearse what other people have done to you. And Jesus offers words here that are so wise. You know, in Matthew 18, 15, Jesus says, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but he essentially says, when there are problems of unresolved anger, you know, when there's conflict, go directly to the person you're angry with and work out the problem. Solve the problem with them. Don't involve a lot of other people needlessly so that your anger just gets escalated and then they're kind of dragged into something. When you have an issue of unresolved anger, when you have conflict, work to go directly and privately to the person that you have an unresolved conflict with, if that's at all possible, and if that person can be receptive. Now, maybe you need to think carefully about uh, how you're gonna talk to that person. Like maybe you need to talk to a third party, a third party and like to, to help strategize before you go talk to that person. But maybe for you, you've got issues of anger and you need to go directly to the person you're angry with and work on resolving it. And that's a hard thing to do, I know. You can always come up with lots of excuses not to do it. But as a general rule, Jesus says, that's the first step to take. Do it thoughtfully, do it wisely, do it carefully, but do it. All right, I have one more myth. I know I told you I have four. This is a bonus one for free, all right? Myth five, never feeling angry is a sign of spiritual and emotional maturity. The idea that never feeling angry is automatically a sign of spiritual and emotional maturity is a myth. Do you know what never feeling angry is a sign of? It's a sign of death. Uh, it's a good indication that you're probably dead. Because there's just something about death. You know, when people die, they just don't get angry nearly as much as they did when they were alive. Everyone deals with anger. Like to be alive means that you're going to experience anger. And again, anger, although it's lethal and potentially always dangerous, it's not a bad thing that we have the capacity to be angry. It's actually a good thing that we have the capacity to be angry. We need to learn how to deal with it well and wisely. But the truth is, everyone has anger problems. Everyone does. And they may manifest themselves in different ways. 
no one can say, well, this teaching is for someone else. Like, I don't have any anger problems. Everyone does. Now, I want you just to imagine for a moment what your life would be like if you mastered dealing with anger. Maybe you've been through multiple marriages. Uh, you've been married once before or two or three times before, and they've blown up because you never learned how to manage anger. And if you don't learn how to manage it, your current marriage won't last either. Maybe you've alienated your children. And when they look at you, they're afraid of you. Very often your anger issues tend to come out with little children because they don't have much power. Like they can't yell back. And so the ugliness that's, that's in your anger uh, will end up coming out with kids because they can't do much about it. But it's wounding them. And it will cost that relationship someday. Maybe you're just embarrassed with your anger because of the ways that you've mismanaged your anger at school or at work with coworkers or in social settings. Maybe you just don't have very many friends because people have discovered that to be around you is just to be around this constant source of anger. Maybe it just flies sometimes. Maybe it gets expressed in cutting ways. Maybe it's just this constant stream of like, I'm a victim, I've been treated unfairly or unjustly, and it just becomes like this like sour, like gray cloud around you. Maybe you're in a marriage, but it's cold. There's no intimacy anymore. There's been not any kind of sexual intimacy for weeks or months or maybe longer. Feelings of affection are dead. And what's really going on is there's anger. And it has caused feelings of love or feelings of joy to die. And so it takes this form now. There's, there's no kind of loving. There's no kind of touching or physical intimacy. But underneath it, it's just anger. It's just hostility. Maybe you go through your days with fear. Like you're afraid. And you avoid any kind of situation where there might be confrontation. You avoid the anger of everyone around you and you avoid your own anger because you're just living in fear. Maybe you speak with a language that's just filled with sarcasm. Your words just drip with venom and you may be able to uh, get so skilled at it, you can like shatter another person without ever raising your voice or raising your hand, but it's anger. Imagine for a moment that you mastered dealing with anger. Imagine what it would be like for you to move through uh, the demands of your day, through traffic jams, through deadlines, through waiting and so on, with an inner sense of truly being calm and at peace because you're connected with God and receiving life from him. Imagine looking at people and instead of uh, the responses that you often have, you know, anger or hostility, you see a, a, a rival or you see a problem. Imagine instead looking at people and you just genuinely like them. You just welcome them into your life with open arms. Imagine never again going through minutes or hours or days sulking or withdrawing or, or being cold. Imagine what it would be like to stop using words that wound the souls of other people. Imagine never having to look in the eyes of a child and seeing fear or resentment. Imagine never having to, to go through the guilt and humiliation of having flown off the handle and dumped something foolish. Imagine never having to say to yourself, I wish I could take that back. 
Imagine never having to go through that awful moment where you say, if only I could go back and do that again, I'd give anything to do that again. But you can't because that moment's gone and you can't undo it. Imagine people hurting you and instead of lashing out blindly back at them, you're or being afraid or maybe running in fear or nursing fantasies of revenge. I mean, having like bitterness taken away from your life. Imagine being able to offer forgiveness from a strong and healthy heart. Imagine just letting it go and just getting on with your life and being able genuinely to wish other people well. Imagine that when people uh, talk to you, instead of getting a list of complaints and uh, petty resentments and stories about how you've been victimized, they just get words of life. Imagine that you become an oasis of life and peace in an angry world. It can be done. It can happen. Next time, we're going to build on some of the truths that we've talked about in this message today. And we're going to look at how we can master the art, how we can become a champion of anger management. All right, let me pray for you. God, I pray that you would help us to see the, the anger in our lives the way that you see the anger in our lives. And God, help us to, uh, to continue to learn and to continue to, to grow in this area so that we can actually learn to man manage and master uh, anger in our lives. Um, thank you for giving us anger. Some people have done great things in this world because of the, the anger they feel inside of them because of maybe injustice or something like that. So you've given it to us. Paul says, be angry, but don't sin. So help us to, to be angry and to acknowledge it, to understand it, but to respond appropriately. And, um, and I pray that you just continue to do this work in our lives as we go through this series. Help us to be people who are filled with love and peace toward others and to be examples for you. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.